0: <laughs> French and
1: Saunders, Saunders, bop a doo French and Saunders,
2: Saunders, bop
0: a doo wop, French and Saunders, Saunders, so bop a
1: doo
2: French and sa- It's so good.
1: That, we, our whole episode could just be us singing that song. I don't think anyone would be mad about it.
2: French and Saunders.
1: Saunders. Papa <laughs> <Anyway>, Um we? <laughs> anyway, hello fellow Anglophiles and welcome to Anglophilia. I'm Kaylee McMahon.
2: I'm Stephanie Callis. Hey, Steph. Yeah. How are you? How are you? How are you? How are you? Does that, that sound good? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. This week we are talking about legendary comedy duo motherfucking French and Saunders. French and Saunders. Saunders, papa I you. you.
1: Last time. Okay, go.
2: (laughs) So uh, the legendary motherfucking French and Saunders sketch series stars legendary motherfucking comedy duo Don French and Jennifer Saunders. They met in 1977 at the Central School of Speech and Drama. (laughs) And what I kind of find funny is that, you know, before they were friends, they, they did hate each other. And Jennifer Saunders once said about Don French, I thought she was cocky and she thought I was snotty. She'd come straight from a year in America and said cookie instead of biscuit. I thought that was just about the end. (laughs) I knew none of this and I'm delighted. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, obviously, the chemistry was there, they became good friends and performing together by 1979. They were performing at the Comedy Store, which also according to what I've read was housed inside a venue called the Gargoyle Club, which featured topless waitresses. Interesting. So imagine performing comedy for for that kind of crowd. Um, But guess what they joined the following year?
1: What?
2: The comic strip. Ooh, yes. With all of our homeboys, Rick and Ada, Nigel, and Alexi. Mm -hmm. call them alternative comedy folk how much fucking fun so they were given their own show on bbc2 in 1987 don french in her autobiography called the first season pretty shabby that (laughs) those are her own words um but then by the third series producer john plowman started working with them and has worked with them ever since and john plowman does not know it but he is such a friend to this podcast oh my god yeah he has produced inside number nine league of gentlemen psychoville ab fab extras the vicar of dibley gimme 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 the office bottom and Lexi Sales, merry-go-round.
1: Most of my favorite shows are on that list. Like, every time I see that guy's name, I'm like, what? Where isn't he? What yeah. does that man not get into? So,
2: big ups yeah. to you,
1: John. Um,
2: French mm-hmm. and Saunders
1: has run for six series over 20 years,
2: plus some Christmas specials and comic relief sketches in between, so not unlike something like Ab Fab. Mm-hmm. In 2009, they were jointly awarded the BAFTA Fellowship, and their most recent special was released in 2017, titled 300 Years of French and Saunders. Oh. Yay. Yes, Good intro stuff. Oh, th- thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I was I was writing <laughs> oh that God. when I should have been coming up with ideas for car stuff. <laughs> Psh, cars are dumb. I agree. New Yorker. So um,
1: um, we're gonna we're gonna jump in talking about the series, I guess. Yeah, yeah. The first season they have a sort of old fashioned kind of pastiche creaky variety show format that they're sort of gently parodying it's interesting because it's like it's a spoof of something that we've talked about before on this podcast kind of when we were talking about Dino and Dickie and the young ones and how it's like it's parodying something that I know that I haven't seen but I feel like I've seen it yes and it's that same thing where like we haven't seen the types of programs that they are uh sending up with this and yet because they don't quite heighten it to the point of absurdity that it makes it accessible to the rest of us right. like we're n- it, it, the joke doesn't quite land to a I would say a modern American audience there are times when it's like oh I, I see what you're doing but it's just it, it some of the framing device falls a little bit flat, even when some of the sketches in season one are really lovely and definitely worth discussing. Mm -hmm. Um, But then, you know, the show evolved in subsequent seasons, like I think the next season, or yeah, they did a lot of um, dancing transitions. And oh my god, I could just watch those two ladies badly dancing in different, you know, costume pieces from different decades forever that that could be my screensaver for eternity. And I would be a, a very happy lady. So cute. Then that's when they start experimenting a little bit with the film parodies, which I think is some of the best stuff that they ever do and then seasons three through five i want to say they the, the framing device will be a specific film or a television series that they parody they'll return to it like three or four times in the episode and then finally the last series gets really meta where it takes place in the production office at the bbc where they have to write a show a sketch show and they don't know what they're gonna do yeah i thought that was clever i thought it was fun yeah my very first note just says
2: they're both so cute
1: they are oh my god no I love them so much here's the thing I'm I'm really glad that they each went on to become really famous for other things because I was I watched the first episode of this with my mom and and she was like you know I don't know if this would be a thing that would like still have survived and be available if they didn't go on to become famous for other things and I think that that's a little bit of an unfair thing to say but also maybe a fair thing to say because there is a lot of merit in the show it's just that as we said, they sort of take a little while to find what their strengths are and really play to those. But I'm glad that because the thing that's so wonderful is them. Even when the early variety show format, where it's like Jennifer's really imperious and bossy, and and Dawn's like trying really hard, like oh, speech, comedy partner. Like yeah. she she's the definite underdog. Like their their dynamic is so funny, and they're each so winning and so versatile. And I just, they're really magnetic performers. And you can totally see why they went on to become such superstars and legends.
2: You can, but I feel like the difference between Seasons 1 and 2 was completely night and day.
1: Oh yeah, it was not unlike Blackadder in that way, I thought. Yeah, they
2: didn't take them too long to find their footing. No, that's true. And also, Season 2 is when they've completely weeded out the recurring things that aren't as great, and they have completely new recurring things that they mostly stick with till the end. But Season Mm 1 does give us the birth of a lot of incredible characters and... I'm just going to say this sentence right now. I love
1: raw sex. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for it.
2: <laughs> which is supposed to be the house band of their Bad Variety show. It's just two guys on keyboard who are frequently drinking and looking very, very bored. But they are called raw sex, which is so funny to me. Because it, it is. They're not um, like buff sexy dudes either they're just you know
1: very (laughs) I was I was actually going to I was going to ask you that 70 like when you say you love raw sex like (laughs) were you attracted to one of them because I would have I might have guessed that you might be but if you weren't oh no no no. I was I was not at all but um I love raw sex okay (laughs) no
2: they're they're brilliant and they're they're important on the show and um yeah they're fantastic Simon Brent who is sadly no longer with us and um Roland Rivron.
1: One thing that really struck me is just the the sort of different... And I don't want to just like pigeonhole them as like, oh, these are women comedians. Like we've talked already on this podcast extensively about how much we hate that. And they're obviously so much more than, quote, just women comedians, but also... The great thing about female driven comedy is that it will go to areas and topics and issues that men would never touch with a 10 foot pole. And my absolute favorite sketch in the first season is um, these two schoolgirls. And Dawn is like the one who knows a little bit more, but is still very clearly misinformed about like the facts of life. In the first season, there's a thing about menstruation. And in the second season, she's teaching Jennifer about birth control. And I'd love to play a clip of, of one or both of those things.
0: Right, the first most important thing about contraception is to choose the right contraceptive utensil. Like, for instance, I personally would not choose the pill. Why? Well, because all it does is block your Philippine tubes and (laughs) it makes your bosoms five times as big, which in your case is unnecessary and careless, frankly. Well, I might not go on the pill. I might go on something else. Like what? Like what? They're all as bad. If you tell the doctor you don't want to go on the pill, you know what he'll do. What? He'll insert a UFL inside <laughs> do you. Know, do you know what one of those is or not? Not. Right, other name, coil. Do you know what a slinky looks like? Yes. Well, it's like a huge slinky and it's got barbed wire on it and they squish it all out and stuff it up inside your bladder and it hooks on and it stops babies. Only <laughs> drawback is you can get out of control going up and downstairs, that's it. Right. But, you know, you have
1: this girl who, like, clearly doesn't really know that much more than her peer. Talking about these things that are still, to this day, 30 years later, considered taboo. And I just thought that, like, it would be so groundbreaking to this day. If this appeared in a modern female-driven sketch show, it would get so much attention for how brave and radical it is to be talking explicitly about periods. Yeah. Because, like we haven't seen anything like it in the intervening years and like even now like when we're just starting to talk about these things more we're still so ignorant of and separated from our bodies like I've been menstruating for 20 years and just last month I learned a whole bunch of shit about periods that I didn't know before and it's like oh that makes sense to why I feel this way and why this happens every month. Cool, thanks, science, for telling me. Oh,
2: well, yeah, and that's if the science has even bothered being researched,
1: you know what I mean? Oh, no, I know. It's still so taboo, and, like, I was... Almost. I mean, I don't want to say I was shocked. Like, I was delighted to see this thing. but I was like, oh my god, that's crazy. Like, they this actually aired on TV in mm-hmm. the 80s. What? Like, people are still censoring period stuff. We still have the fucking you know blue gunk on the commercials, and we have. The, I mean, not that they showed anything in this, but like, it's just crazy to me that like they have a lot of you know comic violence and like really gory bits on this, but like they would probably still never show period blood because that's a step too far. I can only think of uh, period blood appearing in Superbad. Remember that? Yeah.
2: And Carrie. And Carrie. Yeah, you're right. So there's two. Oh, and Degrassi.
1: Oh my God, I love Degrassi so much. If I had unlimited time to do unlimited podcasts, I would co-host the shit out of a Degrassi podcast. Oh, Chewing Gum. All right, cool. So like, but that's like, you know, one of them's a horror movie. One of them is a joke sort of at the expense of the woman that's from the male point of view. And then, yeah, like two comedic examples yeah. in yeah, 30 years. It's crazy. Not a huge amount. But like, I really loved that. Another issue that comes up a lot in a number of different sketches in, in new and interesting ways is stuff about body image.
2: I was actually going to ask what you think the first like big example of that is. I think it's um even as early as the second episode where Jennifer wants to swing across the theater on a rope mm-hmm. and it doesn't end up working out. And they were saying, oh, you know, it worked last week when we tried it out. How much do you weigh now? And so mm-hmm. they kind of start making the jokes about Jennifer's weight, right. which was funny to me because she's not a Big woman. It's very similar right. to how in AB Fab they're hypercritical of her because the fashion world is hypercritical of everyone, right? And Adina is not going to be any exception to that. Is that what
1: you mean by body image, or do you mean there's a number of things? I mean, certainly there's that one where Jennifer is interviewing Dawn, who's playing like a scientist or something, and the entire interview is nothing but Jennifer sort of gigglingly dancing around the subject of her weight using like a hundred really mean euphemisms. Yeah. Yes. And then eventually Dawn just says, why don't you just say fat? I'm yeah. Fat. As much as it sucks that we live in a world where that would even need to be addressed and where that's a conversation that I'm sure so many fat people the world over mm-hmm. have had to suffer through repeatedly from friends and loved ones and acquaintances and strangers. Like it, it's disgusting, but it's also, I would imagine like kind of empowering for because obviously they wrote these sketches themselves, like to be able to own that and to say like fat is not a dirty word. It's not a bad thing. It doesn't make me immoral or unattractive like she's we you know she's adorable. Mm-hmm. We we were talking like these these ladies are both so cute. I'm in love with both of them. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that as as much as it like highlights something very unsavory in our society, it's not reinforcing it, I don't think. No, but it didn't make me laugh. Is that no, Fair to say. I mean, it didn't make me laugh either, but it made me think. And so that's the next best thing that a comedy, I, mean, I think that the best comedy will make you do both, but yeah. one or the other's good enough for me sometimes.
2: I think that it was less that sketch and more just the sort of flippant little throwaway remarks about, oh, here comes the fat one. Oh, here's soft ass, you know, just here and there, how there'll yeah. be a crack about Don French being fat. And it's sort of like, I don't, why, why are you, why are you fixated on that?
1: i don't really know why well i think it's because the world is fixated on it it's like you know in pitch perfect when rebel wilson's like uh i call myself fat amy so that no one else can say it first like it's that sort of Mm -hmm. i don't know i guess it's kind of like a like a rebellious thing or maybe it's just like putting up a mask and the whole self-deprecation thing i don't know like if if you make a joke about it yourself first then other people can't hurt you but there's also other examples like where they're ballerinas Mm -hmm. And, you know, making fun of eating disorders is always going to be a very tricky area because it's, a, again, a very serious issue. But I just really loved the line, we're not anorexic, we just don't think eating's very clever. Yeah. I think that that was really skillfully handled and very funny. Mm-hmm. And um, to take it in a completely other direction, the bodybuilders. Yes. With Sue Jones Davies as their trainer and they've got these, like, ridiculous suits of, like, crazy inhuman musculature. And they've taken it to such an absurd degree that they can't actually walk or the friction of their thighs will cause them to catch fire and one of them ends up exploding. Yes, And it's just like the the opposite end of that spectrum. One is like you can be a skinny anorexic ballerina and you're like too weak to lift your arm or you can be so muscled that like it's, you know, form over function. Yeah. Like the idea that a woman's body, however she wants to present it, is so much for public consumption that the actual experience of living in it becomes impossible. Like, that's something that you would never see on a male-driven sketch show, I'm sorry. No,
2: no, completely not. That's in season yeah. two, I think, right? Yeah. Is it season six where Dawn French shows off all the surgery that she's had? And she that just- was, tests-
1: That was going to be the next thing that I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, it's really
2: funny. There's- um. <laughs> There's a re- like a recurring location in seasons two through six is like the front room of what's supposed to be Jennifer Saunders house. And she's always sitting mm-hmm. on a white couch with a sort of a very 60s like turban on, like just a yeah, lady yeah. lounging in her home. And Don French will come in and she'll always have some kind of ridiculous different thing going on, different outfit on. Yeah. And um, yeah, in this one, it just starts with a close up of Don French. And she's saying like, I am just absolutely gorgeous. And just how she's perfect I'm looking. finally perfect. Yes, and it pans out, and she's just head, and she's, like, her body is just a little toy, like, doll, like, hanging off the front of the couch. It reminded me of, like, a Wienerville thing.
1: Yes, totally. <laughs> yeah, just
2: how she's finally perfect now. She had the tummy tuck. They sucked the fat out of her ass, but she also had to have her organs... Minimized in order to uh, be as tiny as she she wanted to be. And now she's finally perfect and gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There's also like, there's that sketch early on where Jennifer wants a nose job. It reminded me again of AbFab where they talk a lot about plastic surgery, which is such a funny and absurd part of our world that again, we don't really see talked about very much in comedy except like at the expense of the people it's it's usually like a really grossly cartoonish version of someone who's had too much done but we don't really see much of the process of it right right
2: I mean we definitely Um, get the other side of the plastic surgery jokes like I I love when she's Jackie Stallone when Don French is Jackie Stallone and all she can say is her own name (laughs) Um, but (laughs) because she does have like the big inflated drooping drooping sure. lips. But yeah, I love
1: I love a plastic surgery joke. Oh my god, wait, this is a slight sidetrack, but have you ever seen the show Bridal Plasty? No, I've never heard of this. What is this? Oh my god, Stephanie! Oh my god, okay. This is the best worst reality guilty pleasure of all time. It is a bunch of I'll say it, dumb women who are competing to have the perfect wedding, but also to be the perfect bride. And every bride has a wish list of plastic surgeries and. After each weekly challenge, the winning bride will get to have one surgery. And then she also gets two weeks of immunity because she can't compete because she's recovering from fucking surgery during that time. And so the winning bride gets to have her like dream wedding, all expenses paid, whatever. And also she gets all of her plastic surgeries done. And she's not allowed to see the groom until he lifts the veil on their wedding. Oh, that's horrible. And sees his new bride's new fucking face. It's genius. It's oh my god binge it like as soon as we hang out when did this air <laughs> i feel like i watched it in like 2012 or 13 Mm-mm. it's so oh my god no like it's got my favorite reality show villain of all time okay she refers to herself as the master manipulator oh my god that's a sidetrack but like that's some fun homework for anyone who is looking for a really dumb binge Wow. Anyway, but um, <laughs> back to French and Saunders. <laughs> back to French and Saunders.
2: One of my absolute favorite sketches in the series is in the very first episode of season two, where raw sex have their homemade commercial for their, just like their band and for booking raw sex. <laughs> and what yeah. I love about it is that um, the film quality is like perfectly a little bit more fucked up. And it's when they do mm-hmm. things like try to talk just one at a time so the camera cuts. And then there's that slight delay because like (laughs) I grew up, playing with my dad's video camera and it was very much on a tape it was not digital (laughs) and you know my friends and I or my brothers and I we would try to put in you know some fancy quote editing I am making air quotes and it would be (laughs) oh how about I stop the camera and then you you go out of the shot and then I start it up again and it looks like you disappeared (laughs) but (laughs) there's still that like three whole seconds of (laughs) like I, I just love that I love oh that no, so 100%. Much.
1: I think that there's like a whole little generation of kids who has home videos like that mm-hmm. where they attempt their own <laughs> video effects. It's great. Hang on for just one second. I'm going to try to turn off my radiator because it's going a little nuts with the sound. All one right. moment.
2: It was the heat of
1: the moment. Take it off. Kaylee is stripping. <laughs> are you singing about something dirty? No. <laughs> yes, you are. <laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> Okay. I was talking about you uh, stripping. Oh, yes. I just took (laughs) off my young one's sweatshirt to reveal my League of Gentlemen t shirt. So Kaylee's getting so late tonight. Line up, boys. (laughs) So late.
2: It's it's kind of funny to. I just said Kaylee's getting so late tonight, and that reminded me that in this series, there really aren't a lot of guys playing romantic interests. Like, if I rack my brain, oh, I can't yeah. really name a sketch that takes place, like, on a sexy date. There is the dinner party that Jennifer Saunders throws where she's the completely oh, yeah. overbearing host and she
1: has a husband, <laughs> but there's no mm-hmm. there's no beefcake on this show. No, it's true. There really isn't. Which means that... Uh... This is going to be one of our less thirsty episodes. <laughs> Sorry slash you're welcome listeners.
2: I wouldn't say that that's my point. No, 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 I know. But like, if you think about, you know, plenty of sketch shows with all male casts, they find an excuse for there to be a scene where now I get to make out with the hot girl or now oh, I'm... Oh,
1: yeah, no, there's no male Carol Cleveland. No,
2: there's no male... I mean, there's, there's no... There's no Carlo Cleveland. <laughs> no Carlo Cleveland. I mean, I, I love how they just yeah. lean the fuck into like, here are the two guys on the show and we're not going to exploit them, but we are going to make them call themselves raw sex. <laughs> but, <laughs> but but they don't then, um, you know, choose shirtless, waxed and buffed, you know, sexy, sexy guys. And, and they never... Uh, they never write in sketches where they get to make out with any of them. I think that's really cool.
1: Yeah. However, this does make me think of some recurring characters, which are the uh, the gross, horny men who objectify women on the telly and like hump the air while they're talking about them. <laughs> Stephanie, I just wrote the note. Is this us? Okay. <laughs> um,
2: I, I thought of that as well. But I will say that in season one, when the film quality was worse and that room they were in was really, really dark, they gave me the creeps more than anything. Um, but interesting. But as the series wore on, yeah, no, it's it, they're just drinking beer. They're in these fat suits. They're supposed to be old men, and they're just bragging about their sexual prowess. There's one sketch where they literally hump the back of a car. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, they they will hump anything, any literal thing. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I just, I love drag of any sort. I love men dressing up as women. I love women dressing up as men and Mm -hmm. like, I don't know. As someone who's done a lot of improv, I've always found it really fun and empowering to like play a gross sleazeball kind of dude, mm-hmm. uh, even when it makes the audience uncomfortable, which is not my intention. But yeah, it just sort of made me think about like how you know we've we've certainly objectified our fair share of men, but it is a, it is a different thing because we can't deny the the way that history has worked and the way that we operate within the world. But also, just it made me think of you know when they're talking about like oh like she's she's gagging for it oh I would give it to her like you know we're talking about these celebrities. That would never give them the time of day. It just made me think of a conversation that I know we've had a lot, which is the idea of male celebrity crushes versus female celebrity crushes mm-hmm. and how women, you know, it'll they'll be objectified, like, oh, she's so fucking hot. I'm gonna I'm gonna masturbate to this clip of her in a nude scene in a movie I saw on Pornhub. Whereas like women in, and like girls, especially, like if you have a crush on an actor or like a boy band or something, they get to be people and like even in our filthiest, most depraved fantasies, like, we always afford the object of our affection respect and dignity, yeah. you know?
2: Yeah, no, completely. I'm,
1: I'm very good to my imaginary love slaves. I, I give them full health benefits, vision and dental, the works, so. <laughs> um... I have kissed my Rami Malek pillow recently. I didn't even know that you had a. Oh, no, yes, I did. You showed me. Okay, sorry. i looking at him
2: right okay. now. Hey, baby. Oh, my God. You in my
1: bed. <laughs> I had a Lance Bass pillow that my mom made me when
2: I was in middle school.
1: <laughs> yeah, all the phrase being when I closet.
2: was in middle school. <laughs> what did you a... say? I said the very important distinction is that it was in middle school.
1: Well, yeah, because if it was after I was 20, then that would be really sad because he's gay. I mean, he was always gay, but he's out now. That man came out, I, I was in love with Lance Bass when I was 13 years old, and then he came out of the closet the day that I turned 20, so it was like the perfect symbolic way to say goodbye to my adolescence. Oh, interesting, interesting. Good timing there, Lance. I want to clarify, I haven't made out with a pillow in a really long time. <laughs> <And I'm sorry. laughs> I Me mean, neither. I've had a real pillow dry spell over
2: here. never made out with this pillow, but I don't know. It's just a big old close-up of his face, and he's got those fantastic lips. And it was the other night I was tucking myself into bed, and I looked at it, and I just went, Mwah. and I'm like, okay.
1: <laughs> I just oh, did that. Daddy.
2: I'm not going gonna... to. I made the pillow promise we never talk about it again.
1: But here I am bringing it up, aren't I? Oh, look at yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, look at you. Look at you, kissing and telling. <laughs> Naughty manx. <Fine. laughs> but,
2: But, um, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit also in our Ab Fab episode is where Patsy and Adina are having that breakdown uh, crisis of confidence on the bathroom floor. Oh, and yeah. Patsy says, like, I want to be the most beautiful woman in the world. And I want everyone to be scared of me. Yes, and yes. We talked about how that's impossible when you're the most beautiful woman in the world. Or even just a beautiful woman, or a
1: cute woman, or a woman. Like, you're not... Or a woman. I don't know. I think people are scared of me. I've been told that people are scared of me, and I'm like, why? I'm the most harmless fucking person you'll ever meet. But carry on.
2: But, okay, men can be scared of you because they know you're not going to validate them.
1: Yeah. They but need to grow a pair. <laughs> I'm talking about, like,
2: wielding actual power. Like, walking into a oh, room yeah, no. and everybody changes the way they act. Like, that's, sure. that's something that's kind of reserved for a handsome man, not a beautiful woman.
1: No, it's true. Yeah, and so, Me um,
2: too. yeah, like, similar to what you were saying about celebrity crushes and, you know, the, the old men objectifying the females is different than if it were just French and Saunders in their own clothes watching the yeah. TV saying the same exact dialogue. It'd be very different.
1: No, for sure. Oh, um, since you brought up AbFab, um, this is also a show where we see the first appearance of Adina Monsoon. Should we talk about that? Yes, because that also very much ties into the fat conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, So this is something that I don't think we mentioned in our AbFab episode, but the seeds for that television show were actually found in this with a sketch. Um, perhaps we'll play a little clip here. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is Adina with her daughter character, played by Dawn.
2: She's studying. She's in a room and, and Adina comes in, yeah. Yeah,
1: she's she's in a room studying and then the mom comes in and demands her attention and, like, throws a big tantrum and everything. It's like, oh, yep, there there she is, fully formed from the head of Zeus. That's so cool.
0: <laughs> yep. Oh, dear, I'm so sorry. I drugs in front of my own daughter. I am so sorry. So some people choose to relax in one way, darling, and others in another. All right. No, the point is, ma'am, it makes you into a treatable brain. Oh, break. God. Have you not read these Andy Warhol diaries that I bought you? You must, it. They're so funny. Oh, no. Oh, shit. Mother. Oh, God, darling. I promised Janie one of these for our office from the shop, and they're stuck in... Bugger in my land. <laughs> oh, bugger, bugger, bollocks, 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 darling. Can I borrow this one and give it to her, sweetie? It's my birthday present. Oh, president. please, God, darling, can I? Thank you, darling, thank you. My God, and the car's in the garage, my... Bloody father's dying, which couldn't come at a
2: worse time for me. I just. <laughs> she has the line Humphrey brought it for me from Morocco. I think it's like a, <gasps> yes! a, a whatever she's wearing. Yeah, she mentions Humphrey in Morocco. I Humphrey love... in Morocco.
1: I know. Mm-hmm. It's all there. You can
2: see it there, and I feel like Adina, as you said, is is just fully formed and right there. And I knew her immediately the way she just walked in. I'm like, oh, this is the Adina sketch, isn't it? <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I was waiting for it, and then it happened. I was like, yep, that's 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 wonderful. It's so cool to see that. Um, I was going to say, speaking of celebrities, the old men lusting
2: after the hot ladies on TV, a great recurring sketch is French and Saunders having their own celebrity fantasies, um, but instead yes. of talking about how hot they are and how they want to give mm-hmm. them one, they're just, like, speculating about the, their the, fabulous the lives. Eyes. Yes, 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 I wanted. Oh, I love that so much. The one about Gerard Depardieu... Fucking ended me. They're just talking about how he's got it all. And then they start listing different <laughs> things that they are positive must happen in his life. And when they refer to him as a truffle sniffling hog of a man, like <laughs> ah, I threw my pen down. I was laughing so hard. He just he'll no, crack so open good. a brie and eat it al fresco. Like they just depict him as this really rugged, like you know, giant Frenchman who gardens and, you know, does incredible things oh, and yeah. his wife must have a wonderful life where everybody outside of
1: windows greet her to say, you know, bonjour mademoiselle, madame de." Oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do a number of those. There's, there's so many of those with different celebrities. And it's like, I imagine that like, she's dressed by birds, and then she has wonderful sex with her loving husband or whatever. Like it's, and it's something that's so funny, because we all know consciously that that's not true. But we also deep down, we really believe that that is how celebrities or that is how our frenemy or our rival does live. And I think that now especially with social media and everything, we're super invested in crafting these fantasies for other people to consume and like look at how perfect my life is just showing the absolute best. Like it's it's like those are narratives that we're all trying to construct for ourselves and uh, and I think that this is such a funny use of that in this I I love every time that they were talking about another celebrity who had it all I was like ee, yay more yeah they do
2: and about Jerry Hall and Jerry yeah, Hall yeah, yeah. appears in an earlier episode at the beginning of the episode the typical French and Saunders setup with mm. Jennifer Saunders sitting on the couch in the turban and they are replaced by models <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yes
2: models playing French and Saunders and one of them's Jerry Hall and then French and Saunders actually enter and they're like oh Mm -hmm. sorry we've been walking the catwalks in Milan (laughs) I love that one I I love how they are obviously not afraid of looking unglamorous or ugly Mm -hmm. or like less than perfect And it's hilarious, but I also love how even when they are glammed up, they're still so fucking funny. In their celebrity impressions, Jennifer Saunders Mm -hmm, makes a beautiful mm -hmm. Marilyn Monroe and a beautiful, um, not Marlena Dietrich, but, um... Oh, yeah.
1: Is it Marlena Dietrich? Yeah, she, yeah, she does her.
2: I always get her confused with whoever wants to be alone. With Garbo? Yes. Okay, I was trying not to say... No, it's uh, it's Marlena. Marlena. She
1: looks so beautiful but is so funny. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God. I meant to look up the name of the makeup artist because the makeup artist for this is so good. Or like, oh my God, I fucking love Dawn as Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh God, me too. That <laughs> is so fucking good. We have to oh play she, a clip. I, oh my God,
0: like, it's Catherine fantastic. Spartacus. I love it so much. Princess Catherine Zeta-Douglas Spartacus-Jones here. <laughs> it's a great honor to be talking down to you today from my multi-massive Cock and Fabulous Palace by I in Hollywood. My palace, Of course it really belongs to both of us, Grandad and I. Not, not my Grandad, sorry. I mean my husband, Michael Douglas. Isn't it? <laughs> Who thought it, eh? Me? A scruffy little chap from Mumbles. Shoulders back, shoulders back. Marrying into America's foremost dynasty, the Spartacus family. I bear that name with pride and honour. And so do my children. Prince Dylan Thomas Spartacus and Princess Caris Matthews Spartacus. <laughs> and look you, I still get a thrill when my great-great-grandfather-in-law, King Kirk Spartacus, comes over by our house and licks me up the back. Oh, tidy. What a star. Everyone back in Cymru wishes they was me with my glammy lifestyle, don't not they? Cos, come on, admit it. I look cocking fantastic. Am I? I'm in full bloom at the moment. I'm quick and rippling and soft. I'm all milky titty yum yum. These are my lamb white teeth, bright, fanny tight days, in it.
1: They look gorgeous, and just with, like, a little bit of eye makeup, like, I think that the first time that I really noticed the makeup on the show I was, like, whoa, was when, first of all, Jennifer comes out, and she's Catherine Hepburn, and, like, her physical performance of Catherine Hepburn is so fucking funny. Like, that was, that's one of the earliest celebrity impressions that they do, and I was like, yes, this is... I'm in love with the show completely. And then we have Don French as Ginger Rogers coming out. And I was like, oh my God, she, like that that makeup makes her look so much like an old Ginger Rogers. Yeah. Like it's, it's amazing. That
2: Catherine Hepburn sketch where, where she's honoring Fred Astaire, th- that also ended me as well. Because like- she, she does this incredible, like, over-the-top Catherine Hepburn <laughs> impression, but she, also the writing is just really funny because she's honoring him with this award, but she admits that she never knew Fred. <laughs> yes. <Yeah, it's> so, <laughs> so good. Yeah.
1: I think my favorite moment of the entire series was Jennifer as Doris Day.
2: I rewatched that this morning, for sure. Oh
1: my god. Have you ever seen a Doris Day movie? I've never seen a Doris Day movie. Oh my god. Oh, you're depriving yourself. You have to, you have to watch them. There was like a week when I was in middle school and my mom showed me a whole bunch of them, lover, come back and pillow talk and that touch of make and they're they're so fun. They're really really fun, but like oh my god, the the song.
0: It may be rock, it may be Carrie. I really don't care who I marry. It may be Frank
2: or Charles Mann
0: i
1: I laughed harder than i've laughed in like months i would wet a tomato with With pants
2: on on, that
1: fucking killed me and i just wrote the note fuck i officially love this
2: that was a really interesting run of sketches because they just did like back-to-back impressions of you know these icons it starts with Don French as an older Liz Taylor who is holding right. a bottle of Liz's cheap smelly perfume <laughs> making fun <laughs> of white diamonds and then she introduces Doris Day and then Jennifer Saunders becomes Liza Minnelli and yeah she does oh, a God. great Liza Minnelli it's not too much but every once in a while yeah. she kind of does something with yeah. her head like her Jodie Foster in the Silence of the Lambs parody was fucking hilarious as well oh perfect yeah, yeah just no. leaning into that caricature of yeah
1: sure she keeps mm-hmm. saying
2: sure sure there was
1: another sort of earlier kind of looser film parody in uh in season one that I really liked of the chorus line where Dawn comes in and she's like my name is Cassie Broadway <laughs> like it's it's like it's sort of in the same vein as a lot of the Like the framing device of season one where it's like it's almost it's doing the thing that it's parodying but it isn't quite heightening it to the right level to make it be like laugh out loud funny but then in the following season they completely knock it out of the park although i do have to say
2: their abba parody is so good that it might as well (laughs) just be an abba video and an abba song i for a (laughs) second i was like i'm not convinced this isn't an abba song it was so That's, good. Whoever wrote oh yeah. all of the fake songs in all of those different styles, oh yeah when Raw Sex kind of turn into like Ken and Dwayne's The Sound of Music and mm-hmm. they talk about a different band every week, and then French and Saunders will do a fucking Guns N' Roses parody and a Fleetwood Mac parody. The songs are so accurate. I and I didn't look up who the songwriter was or if they were writing them or composing them but I was so impressed by every single one of those how accurate they were and the Velvet Underground song was a Velvet Underground song I have been I've been waiting all my life for there to be a sketch about Andy Warhol and the Velvets as good
1: as that one and to see Nigel Planer as Andy Warhol made me so so, oh my god that's right oh yeah you know this is the second sketch show that we've talked about on this podcast the other being Monty Python's Flying Circus and this is kind of the exact opposite where that was mostly nothing remotely topical and this is pretty much entirely pop culture based reference I mean there are some things where it's just like this is a certain type of person that you might encounter or this is a very specific character but for the most part it's a lot of contemporary references and also references to like classic staples like old Hollywood films that we're all familiar with and um you know I have less widely informed musical tastes than you do so I think a lot of the the more contemporary stuff like the music stuff went over my head and I didn't bother to like look up each individual video that it was parodying so a lot of it was I was just content to be like but then it was interesting as the show went on and the references came into like when I was musically conscious it's like oh I I know who that is I know what what movie they're parodying that happened that year Yes. But it is, it does speak to the strength of the material and the incredible charisma of these two performers that I was still, like, there was never a time when I was bored watching something that I was like, oh, this is a bizarre, I I bet that this is really an accurate representation of of what I missed out. Like, oh, you know what was a good example of that? Not musically, but in terms of television show, I had never heard of The House of Elliot. Had you? No, I googled it, though. (laughs) Yeah, no, I googled it, but I didn't, I didn't watch any of it. But I still, like, I loved that episode so much because it just I felt like I got exactly what that show was and it was it, I laughed at all of the things It was like haha yeah that's I'm sure that that is exactly what that show is like it, it was just a really funny like it, it transcended my lack of a reference there right no I,
2: I I enjoyed it too what was the line they're fitting a woman with a frock and she's like this will be perfect for all of the balls and parties that I have to attend in this period <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so <laughs> like a 1920s like like... dress like a grand fucking thing yeah that episode also is a prime example of something that they do a lot it's like a recurring trope in this series where these celebrities that they've spent an entire episode making fun of will make a cameo appearance at the end of the episode and then chastise them for it and say like who who do you think you are we've worked very hard on this thing and then you come in here and you make fun of it and you're not even that funny and it's it's something you know it's sometimes like they'll, they'll frequently end with like a pie in the face. Or, or with him just standing there like these little chastened kids being like sorry you know and um it's such a fun way to have your cake and eat it too and to make it like clear that you're not being that malicious but it also maybe I'm just projecting but it really does seem like a very female thing to actually like consider the feelings of your subject and to have a sense of of shame or guilt and to let your targets in on the joke you know because otherwise it's like well who am I to be making fun of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? No,
2: I I agree with that.
1: Like I can't imagine a bunch of, you know, male comedians inviting on the person that they've just called a fat ugly whore and then having them say like that's not funny unless the joke was like oh look at this politically correct stupid asshole
2: who wants to ruin comedy by censoring me no you're you're completely right yeah but at the same time it's genius because it shows off like it makes them look so fucking baller because the amount of celebrity cameos on here
1: is
0: there's, there's so many.
2: Oh
1: my God. Did you write them down? I should have written them down. There's so many. It's insane. They've got Mark Knopfler Mark from Dire Straits.
2: They've got David Gilmore from Pink Floyd. They've got Lemmy. They've got Helen Mirren. They've got Lulu because Lulu has yes, to be in of every course. show.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. They've got the Spice Girls. The Spice Girls. They've Kate got, Moss. Kate Moss, yeah. I was going to say. Yeah, there's so many there's so many they've got all of the young ones oh yeah 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 yeah. it's really impressive like anybody who's curious you can either watch the show or just go to imdb and be like oh yeah that person came too and it sort of also reminds me the amount of self-deprecating humor where they're saying like oh you're not funny it's the same thing that we talked about with monty python how there's like the letters they get out ahead of any criticisms that could be hurled at them yeah and it's like huh like i've i've neutered you and your dumb opinion about me not being funny haha <laughs> ha.
2: yeah yeah. I mean, I I don't know what the initial audience reaction was to this or what people were writing about it. Yeah. So I am curious to know if any of it was in direct response to something very real that they just then let, you know, continue for, for years and years and years or what yeah. that was about. But again, very female, very female to kind of call yourself not that funny when clearly you are very fucking funny and successful yeah. <laughs>
1: at being funny. Well, I think it's also like partly that... A lot of times as women we have to play into like the the dumb rules that society has created for us where like, you know, it's the it's the whole fucking like you don't know your beautiful thing, like, oh, oh, who me? Oh, I'm I'm not pretty. But whereas if I, looking like me, were like, Yeah, I'm fucking gorgeous, people would be like, No, you're not. You're a conceited dog You know what I mean? And it's the same thing with like like if you dare to think, Oh, I'm really smart, I'm really brilliant, I'm really funny, then the world will actively try to knock you down. Whereas if you you know, if you try to sell your gift short, then they'll build you up. It's something, it's, it's a skill that women learn and then are taught to go against because it's like, oh, you know, own your power and be confident. It's, it's, there's so many conflicting messages. I don't know. Just, just do what you want to do, ladies. Your life is your own.
2: Did you, I, I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Did you <laughs> ever purposely do less good on a school thing to get a boy's attention? Fuck no. Same. Cool, I'm really glad. Never did I ever, and when I when I heard about it, even, you know, when I was in school, I kind of thought, people do that? I don't get it. Do guys like dumb girls? Is this the 1950s? No, oh, no. But
1: I mean, it comes up in things like Mean Girls. No, I know, it does. Which was,
2: you know, recent, so it makes me, makes me sad. I
1: mean, honestly, maybe if I wanted to date more in high school, maybe I should have, but I don't think that could have helped me. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe stuffing my bra would have been a better tactic than uh, playing dumb. I don't know. I don't I know. Mean, I, but also, like, who's looking at your grades? Like, is there a way for them to fact check? If you pretend to be dumb, like, are they going to, like, go up to the teacher's grading book and be like, Oh, she did turn in that homework assignment that she claimed I, to have I, forgotten. I
2: don't know. I don't know. You, you take it upon yourself to not intimidate the cute boy next to you. And so you sabotage your own math test? I, I don't understand. Don't stop doing that. If yeah. if if you've ever done
1: that, forgive yourself. I forgive you, but don't do it again. No, no, no. Don't
2: fucking do that again. Don't hide
1: your light under a bushel, ladies. Men are fun to intimidate. They are it, it is always worth it to intimidate a man if you have the option of doing it or not doing it. That's my that's my really stupid advice to So <laughs> to my the world. my high school boyfriend
2: was incredibly obnoxiously smart Girl, and very same. very high <laughs> achiever in the goddamn academia stuff, which kind of made it all the more satisfying when I did call him out for dumbass behavior. And <laughs> I I told my mom this a couple of years ago at a restaurant he wanted to order the profiteroles, but he pronounced it profiteroles. <laughs> and I Dumbass. just looked at him and I said, you're an idiot. And my mother absolutely <laughs> lost her mind. I'm like, it's not that funny that I called him idiot. She's like, oh, it is so funny because he had so far to fall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Barbara, I love you. <laughs> but but it is, it is, it is kind of true. It's like, okay, whatever. You could be smarter than me if you want. I'm still fucking smarter than you in my own way and I'm gonna remind you of that
0: oh (laughs) yeah whenever possible oh yeah 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 (laughs) no that's that's really (laughs)
1: funny so far to fall so many men have so far to fall I love I love to puncture me some male egos
2: um but (laughs) back to the show I want to bring up really quickly how there were several moments in the show where I went oh thank god they didn't do blackface oh yeah no I had the same thought I was really
1: happy (laughs) I was happy about that I know
2: yeah, there was know, the, the Gone with the Wind parody where um, Don French yeah. is in the, the mammy role. And I thought, are they gonna? Mm-hmm. No, they didn't. Thank goodness. And she also isn't delivering oh. a performance in a, in a voice or with an attitude or anything. Right, right. Um, there is the Christmas special that takes place in Baltimore where they do have like oh, an yeah. overweight kind of mammy sort of
1: black maid named Bessie right and then they flip it brilliantly yes by having her being smarter than all of the rest of them she's in on it there's a great scene where
2: like you're kind of watching it and you're going okay well maybe that's not that great and then the second that the white girl leaves the room she like deflates her boobs and her giant stomach and she's (laughs) like god I hate having to keep this up
1: yeah and then like writes a letter home to like you know I'm like you know I almost have enough money for your schooling yeah, it was really
2: great to to reverse it, to call out the stereotype that yeah. was important to do. The whole stereotype
1: of like, you know, back in old movies or even like modern day things, <clears throat> Sex in the City, where it's like, there's the jolly black person who's only there to be a tool for the white folks. And oh, man, I'm just happy to see you happy, master or whatever. And it's like, it's really deeply uncomfortable. Like, that that's an understatement. It's horrible. Um... And it's one thing to just show that and be like, huh, oh, things were so different in the 40s and this is bad. But then if you don't, you know, if you don't see the don't, like I said in that, that Daria quote, it's just kind of like maybe reinforcing it and, and like the people who get it will get it. But then the people who don't are just going to think that you're still making fun of that or thinking that it's okay. But that was a really smart way of being like, yeah, I'm. it's the classic, you know, the servants are always smarter than the masters. Through all of comedy, that's a big recurring. Jeez and Wooster, Blackadder, everything. One other sketch that wasn't the Adina progenitor, but that did also remind me of the Adina character, is the one with the jail visit. Oh, I loved that one! I really loved that sketch. That was so funny. That was one where you you come back to it several times throughout the episode, and it seems like you know Dawn is visiting Jennifer in jail, and Dawn's like trying to engage her and like we could we could play a game and like trying to make fun. Like how how are things? Are you making any friends? How is everybody treating you? And she's just oh you know it's terrible. Oh, I don't have any freedom. I hate it here. Blah, blah blah. And then finally in in the final. Scene there together. She has this great little monologue that again reminded me so much of Adina. And then she's says- just do you want to just go home then? She says, yes, can I? And, and it turns out that she was actually visiting Dawn in jail. Like, that's that's such, that's like perfect sketch writing. That's really, really smart where you have a joke and you build it and you build it and you build it and you completely flip the expectations and the punchline. It's so satisfying.
2: Speaking of um, Adina, there is one cameo made by the queen, um, frickin' Joanna Lonely. Thank you for coming in with that because for some reason I was like, I don't know her name. I don't remember her name. I'm gonna get to it and I'm not I'll- got this to for say you. It. I don't want to.
1: I don't want to embarrass you in front of the goddess who is always listening. No, 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 no.
2: I don't. I don't mind. It's it's one of those weird things where yeah. it's like, wait, I know, I know this. Why can't I think
1: of you know my favorite actor's name? You know, it was just one of those weird. Yeah. Perhaps it's because she's pets. Perhaps
2: I should get my head examined.
1: Oh my god, no! But oh, that one of my favorite episodes is the Titanic special. Yes, hosted uh, by Joanna introduced Lemley. by yeah. by the peerless Joanna Lumley, who's like on like a little director's chair, and then the camera's rotating around her and she's like awkwardly kind of hopping to match it it's so so good and there's so many funny delightful things about it i recommend if anybody hasn't seen it definitely watch the whole episode or at least the the parts that are about titanic but so many things just made me laugh out loud like james uh macaroon the the abusive director who's like i laughed so hard when he just goes on a cursing streak and yells Mm -hmm. at everybody (laughs)
0: Bitches,
1: you, mother. you, you, mother. you, 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 you <laughs> That was so funny. Yeah. And um and I love Dawn as Jack. Uh just, just she says shit so many times like shit Rose, this is a real Monet. I love his shitty use of color. It's like he's using the paint to express something that he's seen. <laughs> it's so good so good and
2: again like jennifer saunders looked beautiful i know as kate winslet she looked so fucking beautiful but um I did just want to make sure that we mentioned that James Macaroon was played by her wonderful husband and incredible comedian Aide Edmondson and Mm. um the one real-life anecdote I've ever heard about James Cameron very appropriately mirrors what what Aide Edmondson was doing oh man
1: I meant to look up I I felt stupid googling like is James Cameron difficult to work with and then I just forgot to actually look into it but I I assume that that's based on some truth Yeah. yeah so tell me tell me what what anecdote you read you know
2: what's worse is that I didn't even read it I heard it from someone who witnessed this firsthand which was an an assistant bringing Mr. James Cameron his lunch which was pasta and I don't remember if the issue was that he did or did not want something on it whether that was cheese or meatballs Mm -hmm. my point is It was insignificant and stupid, but that plate of pasta went
1: sailing across the room. Um, Oh, my God. Yeah. There's there's so many people, like, mostly men, but some women, too. Like, sexual abuse is one thing, and that's a whole other horrible category, but there's also just such a culture of enabling people to be fucking assholes. Like, you know, abusive bosses like Scott Rudin is another one. Like, there's just so many people who are able to get away with acting like these fucking little babies. And, like, no... No one should ever cry over a cold cup of coffee. Like, no no person's dignity or livelihood is worth, you know, cheese on some pasta. I'm sorry. Fucking be a big boy and get over it. I know. Ugh.
2: You know? You hear for years about these abusive personalities, but since they're geniuses, it, like, doesn't matter. And then you read in The Ugh. New Yorker that they've been a rapist this whole time. And yeah, it's shocking!
1: Oh my god, I know. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I hate the whole genius excuses bad behavior. But like, I I will say that I really do think that Titanic is an incredible movie. If if you, it, I feel like it's become cool in recent years. And when I say recent years, I mean like the year after Titanic was really popular and successful to be like, oh, Titanic, it's so dumb and overrated. But like, if you watch it, that shit holds up. Like it is, they have you exactly where you want to be emotionally, like every step of the way. It's stunning. Like as a technical feat, it's really impressive. Everyone in it is really good. I fucking love Titanic. I will admit that.
2: I fucking love Titanic. And I think I've mentioned this to you before. It's one of the few more recent Oscar winners that I can remember like everybody actually fucking saw. Oh, yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say everybody, but people saw it. The public saw it. And it was out forever. It was, yeah. It wasn't just Massively like. Massively popular. It was. Here's yeah, for like five, years Here's movie that's months, been out yeah. for a month and a half and no one saw. But it was the
1: best movie that came out this year. Pulleys. Yeah. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Got gotta hold shit to that Titanic standard, bro. What the fuck happened?
1: Yeah, you know what? Tonight, as we record this, I'm gonna be exposing how long it takes for us to binge shows and how long it takes for me to edit them. But this, we're actually recording this a few hours before the Oscars air. And uh you know, my favorite movie of 2018, Paddington 2, was brutally snubbed, and as a result, I shall be boycotting this broadcast. <laughs>
2: Paddington 2 was snubbed. Mamma Mia 2 was snubbed.
1: Hugh fucking Grant was snubbed. Oh my God. I wish that I could just like Kanye, whichever man wins best actor and be like, I'm gonna let you finish. But Hugh Grant gave one of the best performances in Paddington 2. I have to say- Even
2: though he wasn't nominated. Kanye, total, total dick. Not gonna slam him too much because there's a lot going on there and I do feel for him. But I kind of feel like that- that move, for as dickish as it was, it's like, oh, I so it wish I could gave us a do permanent
1: that. standard of. No, I know it's it's a it's a trope that I constantly return to in my life, and I, I think of it often. Yeah, I, I, so I, thanks for giving us that. Yeah, <laughs> I kind
2: of feel like if I were in the position where I could actually do it, I don't know that I never would.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely. I I'd Kanye for Hugh. Mm. Mm. i can make a shirt that says that look at lovely mm. Hugh <laughs> <laughs> uh. oh another favorite special was the lord of the rings one which i think i must have seen like as it was airing on bbc we america back in what 2002 yeah yeah yeah. oh my god i hadn't i don't know if i like watched it a bunch at that point or if i just saw it once and certain things stuck in my brain but i i very vividly remembered the fight scene between grandolf and uh what's his face and um the line, who are you, great sphincter of light? <laughs> <It's> so good. <laughs> and like the giant blue eyes, Don French's Frodo, and um, traveling with a little band of children playing hobbits and all these curly wigs and giant feet. And oh, it's so, it's so delightful. The forced perspective and the cups. <laughs> that was so funny. Well,
2: well, and I love how during the scene that's, you know, based on the scene in the movie where they're all like sitting around the the fountainy thing and yeah. the dude with spiky ears makes an important speech. I love mm-hmm. that they actually just come out and like start dissing Harry Potter and say, oh, <laughs> it's for kids. It's like sooty and sweep. It's not serious like this. <laughs> and it's, it, it's so true. It's like you look at yeah. Lord of the Rings and it's like, why so serious? This is, this is so funny. <laughs> yeah. One film parody they did that they managed to make a little bit different. It would have been funny either way, but when they do Cold Mountain, um, the cold the cold mountain oh, yeah parody. they actually have graphics of a dvd menu come up and you select mm-hmm. the audio commentary with nicole kidman and i love that they okay. chose to make yeah. nicole kidman just the
1: dumbest meanest person <laughs> alive oh my god no that was so funny yeah, it's... yeah they did that with troy too they did the dvd menu yes. thing with that that was that was really smart and again, very topical. But oh yeah, no, the Cold Mountain thing was really fun. Yeah, the c- and
2: again, looking absolutely breathtakingly gorgeous as Nicole Kidman in Cold Mountain. Mm-hmm. Just and and that yeah. was a movie that I never saw the whole thing, but I actually made a note. I kind of wrote, "This is actually my basic understanding of the film," <laughs> when, <laughs> which is she brings Jude Law some lemonade and kind of looks at him coyly, and then he goes to war. It's a lot of back and forth, and then Renee Zellweger shows up screaming about
1: how much work is to do. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that that's pretty much what I remember. That's really funny. I saw the movie when it was in theaters once. I haven't thought about it since until watching the French and Saunders parody thereof. The one thing that I remember about it, I do remember liking Renée Zellweger's performance, but I I do remember having a conversation with a guy who went to our high school and he was saying something about like you know the sex scene is like really good and hot and like you know if you're if you're a guy that's the kind of thing that you appreciate and I was I didn't say anything at the time but I was like excuse me do you think that women don't appreciate a good sex scene in a movie dude what do you think we do like (laughs) what that was that was the first time that I knew that boys didn't know that girls were horny I was, I, I was. It was late in life for me to learn that because I was what, like fifteen or sixteen.
2: Oh yeah, well, men are disgusting. You don't even want to see inside my
1: mind. You don't. Yeah, no. I mean, <laughs> we just because we don't talk about it all the time, and because our arousal isn't often visible, uh, does not mean it ain't happening. I mean, for instance, I would only ever tell you that the second we hang up,
2: I'm gonna go sit on my pillow's face. <laughs>
1: And I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> That's how you kiss a pillow, kid.
1: Happy Oscar night to you.
2: Sending you all the vibes, baby. I'll see you on stage. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, I was thinking since this is such a female-driven show and we established early on that you are not attracted to raw sex, I was like, is there going to be something funny about like us being gross and horny? <laughs> it turns out, yeah, we'll find a way even when there's no eye candy in said show.
2: Just just give it just give it just give it
1: time. <laughs> <laughs> just give it
2: time. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, um, you know, it's it, it's kind of funny thinking about season 1 being framed as this variety show. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of in later seasons where w- once it's no longer framed as a variety show it sort of becomes a variety show because Right, cuz they still had music. They still had music and even when it's music that's not them they have Kirstie McColl, who is mm-hmm. wonderful. But I really I really appreciated that how it it became yeah. a better variety show than it was you know ever ever supposed to be in in season one once it was no longer a variety show
1: i wondered actually like from the beginning once when when they had the variety show framing device i was like is this another case of the young ones where they get a bigger budget because they have music maybe is that what happened i don't know i didn't look i didn't look into it but um i didn't i didn't look into it either but i did have that thought because like there is a song in every episode after that and i was like I i bet that maybe that helps them yeah
2: i mean if they were, they were talking to the same people who who tried that one, so it would make sense. Twid, twid.
1: Oh, you know what's another recurring sketch that I really liked? That, again, it didn't ever really make me laugh, but it did make me feel, which is the, the girls at the boarding school
2: Yes, I felt terrible for them.
1: I did too, but it's, again, it's that thing that we love about British comedy where they don't shy away from the total pain, and sometimes it's enough to just, like, rip your heart open and show something really sad, and that's, like, kind of their version of funny. (laughs) Like, it's, it's interesting. I really liked every single sketch that they appeared. I was like, oh, good, they're back. Oh, we get to hear the heartbreaking details of how their families don't talk to them, and, like, this is probably not that big of an exaggeration from a lot of families like it's it's also interesting like I don't I should have looked up like the statistics of you know what percentage of American children go to boarding school because here it's very much the domain of like very few like privileged rich people and so it's it's a really exotic and unusual thing to happen here I don't know how common it is over there but um I mean certainly these ones are also very rich and not from the most loving of families to say the least
2: no it's so sad I was watching it and I was thinking about like how you know, rich or not, how how can you volunteer to send your child away for their early education unless it were a matter of it's the only way my kid's going to get an education? I don't live in a right. country where there's access to education. I can send them right. to this other place where it's going to happen. But if you're just yeah. like. Oh, we're rich and we live in London. Where else are
1: we going to send these kids? My question is, like, no. What's that line of thinking? (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, as an American, my first exposure to the concept of boarding school was in The Parent Trap, the original with Haley Mills. The bad guy, Vicky, who has her eye on the the father character, she says, like, I can't wait until I'm married and I can send that little brat off to a boarding school in Switzerland. And I had to ask my mom what a boarding school was. And I was like, oh, wow, you have to live at school? That's a fucking nightmare. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. Have you ever seen the movie If? No. It's an incredible late 60s Lindsay Anderson film, black and white, also in color. And it's about these young men in boarding school starring a 24-year-old baby Malcolm McDowell. Um, <laughs> but yes, I always think of them when I think about boarding school. So it must be more common than it is over here. And it must be um, mm-hmm. common for, you know, creatives to then sort of discuss that um, yeah. because it's a, maybe a distinctly sort of British phenomenon. Because again, yeah. um, when I think about sending kids to boarding school, my first thought would be, oh, well, was that out of necessity? Because, yeah, Yeah. I know. Because why would you send your kids away? It's so sad. I know. Yeah. Um, it reminded me a little bit of that, um, Mike Myers SNL sketch where he's Simon, the kid who sits in the bathtub doing drawings.
1: Oh, I've never seen this. Oh, well, it's a bizarre Mike Myers thing
2: where he's <laughs> As a As opposed British... to a normal
1: Mike Myers thing.
2: Well, it's not Wayne's World or okay. Linda Richmond of Coffee Talk. It's a what the fuck are you doing there, Mike Myers, where he's okay. just a sweet little British boy named Simon and he's sitting in a bathtub and he's always um like on vacations with his parents but it's very clear that he spends all day in the hotel room with a nanny while mm-hmm. the parents go and have their their vacation and that made me sad then <laughs> when i oh. was a kid but the yeah. joke was oh i'm neglected and so i i really saw <laughs> echoes of of that in um in oh, the boarding sure. school girls okay
1: well i'll check that out you check out bridal plasty <laughs> and the complete filmography of doris day and uh We'll, we'll have a great time avoiding the Oscars in protest. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I, I'll be, you'll, you, I know you need to tune in for your love, but... Uh, oh,
2: I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be watching that. Gonna cool. be, yeah. <laughs> watching it with my dad and my brother.
1: <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot you were watching it with your dad and your brother. I thought you were gonna say watching it with my pillow. <laughs>
2: yeah, I can't bring my pillow. Although if I did, they'd probably think it was cute because my father did buy it for
1: me. <laughs> that's very <laughs> so. sweet good dad good dad <laughs> the
2: sketch where you have the two school girls, not the boarding school girls but um they're school girls, and Dawn french is the fast one but she kisses a boy and like she keeps trying oh, to drag yes, jennifer saunders along yes. to do like the racy things oh my god yeah 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 that i love so that because it took me back to me with my friend from middle school she she had the in on like, going to the Westlake Promenade to look cool and talk to boys, whereas I had only ever gone to the Westlake Promenade to see movies and eat
1: ice cream. Um, Who was living her best life? Let's be honest. We know now it was you. Continue.
2: But there was one night where she wanted to go to the promenade and she, like, put all this, like, sparkly fucking makeup on me and Mm. we were gonna, like, seduce some boys, but I also really wanted ice cream, so... (gasps) We, we the went eternal to, choice. <laughs> we we went we went to Coldstone and got ice cream, and her plan was that we would find groups of boys and then stand like ten feet away from them and seductively eat our ice cream. <laughs> how, remind me, how old were you here? Twelve, <laughs>
0: maybe thirteen.
1: <laughs> oh my god! Needless to say, we did we did not. It didn't work, but we did it. Didn't work. Oh yeah, no, that's uh, the the notion of like passively trying to attract someone that's something that i'm very familiar with as someone who is incredibly shy like i never had the guts to like go up and like start kissing boys or asking them out or even talking to them or like making direct eye contact but i would be like oh i'm gonna stand here and like hope that through osmosis my sexy vibes are gonna get into his brain and he'll notice oh i bet that that awkward looking girl has a great personality somewhere under there (laughs) like (laughs) it's it's a failed Plot that I've tried so many times from the time I was like eight to now. <laughs> hmm. Oh goodness! But but I love seeing that awkwardness on. Oh TV. no, it's it's delightful, and yeah, we it's not something that you see very often. But like, no, yeah, oh yeah, terrible terrible ploys for getting boys. Ah, oh, I could watch a whole sketch show just about that. It's hilarious.
2: Mm-hmm. How beautiful did they look when they did the gentlemen prefer blondes number? Oh my god
1: so gorgeous.
2: I thought they looked so good. They yeah. so good.
1: No, I mean, it, it's the same exact thing that we said about AbFab, where like, these, these are two really beautiful women, and we see the full range of their attractiveness. We see them playing like a gross, old, horny, ugly men, and we see them playing like the most beautiful film stars ever to grace the planet, and everything in between. We see them being, you know, old ladies and teenagers. I love seeing that, because we so rarely get to see the full range of an actress's attractiveness. She either gets pigeonholed as like, oh, she's very, very pretty, and then sometimes, oh, she might make a little joke. Teehee, oh wow, she's funny too. Or it's like Pauline McLand in Father Ted, or, you know, someone who's like their thing is that they have to be really gross and unattractive and like just just let them be people and we will see the beauty of their humor and hearts and personalities shine through and love them for them
2: well I think that's going to wrap it up for us
1: I've got to get to therapy and then the Oscars (laughs) (laughs) true story full afternoon so yeah join us next week when we will be doing an about face and going back into the sausage fest for The delightful Peep Show. Oh, and good luck to Olivia Coleman tonight on Oscar night. Hee hee. I hope that by the time I edit this, she will have won. We're watching Peep
0: Show. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Oh my my God.
1: God. Stephanie hasn't been this excited since Father Ted. I'm so happy.
2: (laughs) Oh my God. Peep Show is a part of me. I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) All right. So, so totally fucking excited about this. We hope you've had fun listening to us talking about French and Saunders. Did Email you. us at anglophiliapodcast at gmail.com and tell us how much you love us and what you think that we should also watch. You can tweet at us at anglopodcast. Find us on Facebook by searching anglophilia. We're also on Instagram
1: at anglopodcast. Fucking rate, review, and subscribe. Yes, rate, review, subscribe. iTunes, we're on Stitcher now. We're super fancy. Yes. Just Love you guys. It. We love you Bye. guys so much. French and Saunders. Do
2: do 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 do